bad news. I know it. I love when he does that. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay, good luck. You say rock bottom, but like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going, how much worse can In the bud, we never relaxing. Outcasts are everlasting. Not clashing, not at all. But see, my nigga went to do a little acting. Now that's for anyone asking. Give me one and pass them. Drip, drip, drop. There it goes an orgasm. Now you coming out the side of your face. We tapping right into your memory bank. Thanks. So click at the ticket. Let's see your seatbelt fasten. Trunk rattling like two midgets in the back seat rattling. Speaker box vibrate the tag. Make it sound like aluminum cans in a bag. But I know y'all wanted that 808. Can you feel that BASS bass? But I know y'all wanted that 808. Can you feel that BASS bass?
Welcome, ladies and germs, to episode 277 of the Hoots Podcast. Shout out to the good brothers, the outcasts. I like the way that you move. It's the theme song for this week's podcast. And um, just want to throw a little, uh, nice little jam for my childhood days, if you will. A nice throwback uh, song for Throwback Thursday. I am recording the show. It's Thursday, September 30th, 2021. I'm talking to you live from my good brother's studio in lovely Chicago, Illinois. It's truly an affairs for Adam, a.k.a. Josh Lopez. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Instagram at Josh C. Lopez 94. That's J-O-S-H-I-E Lopez 94. And at Josh Lopez Music. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast right now. Like, if you're listening to me, subscribe it on Apple Podcasts. Smash that follow button on Spotify. Anywhere you get your podcast from, type it in your Google search engines. Type in the Who's Podcast. It'll be right there for you to find. Easily accessible. And the best part about the Who's Podcast, it's free. We have no Patreons. I ain't charging you shit <laughs> to listen to this show. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very humble and appreciative of the numbers that we've been getting on the show recently. It's been insane. I uh, do appreciate the support and the feedback as we also do get on social media, which is more important to me than the numbers we get, because I want to gauge if you guys are enjoying what we're doing with the podcast. So if you could just hit me up sometime on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media or here on Facebook and let me know what you like about the podcast. And if you have any suggestions of things we can do different, I'm always open to suggestions. So uh, if this is your first time listening to Who's Podcast, I want you to feel like I'm sitting next to you. Uh, I'm not above you. Um, we're having a back porch conversation about the world of professional wrestling and life and where I was going through my brain threshold. So <laughs> welcome to the show, everybody. I'm excited to come on here and talk to you guys as we do each and every single week. And we're 23 episodes away, away from reaching 300 here in the Who's Podcast. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about. It's going to be a hectic WrestleMania season as we head towards Jerry World again in Dallas, Texas. So a lot to get to. We're about to wrap up September. The football season's underway. Speaking of football, I got to talk about my Chicago Bears, and we'll get to that during the Q&A session. So all that being said, you get your regular routine segments like this week at WWE. What the hell is wrong with AEW? And also, week two. It's week two. I'm going to give you my week two report of my coverage of the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax Tournament. So be on the lookout for that. And again, just thank you to everybody who checked out last week's episode. Uh, it really meant a lot to me and Bert Carter. So we appreciate you for your support. Anyways, one last thing to plug. If you could do me a favor, Please bookmark ProWrestlingTranscripts.com. It would mean the world to me. I bust my ass. I cover around 16 wrestling shows a week, and I do it for all of you guys. It's a point of reference website for those who don't have the time to catch up with the product. So check out ProWrestlingTranscripts.com. All right. Enough plugs. Let's get into it. Let's get into the Good Brothers Q&A session here on the Hoots Podcast. Uh, for those who are listening right now, I'm taking suggestions. Uh, I'm kind of considering changing the name of this segment uh, because, to be honest with you, yeah, we've always had the Good Brother lingo here on the show for the last five to six years, but I've been kind of souring on the Good Brothers aspect of Carl Anderson and some of the stupid shit he does on social media. 
I haven't been joining their work on Impact Wrestling or AEW. So it's like, should we change the name of the show? Should we na- change the name of the segment? Uh, and I'm open to suggestions. If you have a different name for our Q&A segment, I'm all ears. Just hit me up, and I'll be curious to see what you have to say. All right. Good Brothers Q&A session goes like this. We talk about life. We talk about mental health. We talk about sports. We talk about wrestling. I get questions throughout the week. We didn't get a lot this week, per se, but we take questions with the Good Brothers this week. And we talk about just everything that goes on with the show. And all you have to do is send me a question at Twitter, or you can email me through hootspodcast at gmail.com. It's pretty simple. Uh, I'm not hard to get in contact with, so uh, I do appreciate any time anybody does send questions. I got questions from Chris, and then I got a, a question for our press record button today from uh, our good friend Mike uh, from uh, Main Event Swerve. So, uh, shout out to you good brothers for saying questions this week. Okay. What's up, B-Rob? Thanks for checking out the show, my man. <laughs> yes, yeah, a chat about waterfalls, too. You can't go wrong with waterfalls. Uh, Rochester was uh, blessed with a, a tag team extravaganza of waterfall, if you will. Um, <laughs> okay, let's get into it. So, we're going to start off as per ritual from uh, Good Brother Chris Zaletta. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at xscenesaletta24x on the Twitter machine. Uh, he says, thoughts on the Buccaneers pass game coming up on Sunday? Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, when I was growing up, if you asked me this question about 10 years ago, my thoughts on the Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and – I wouldn't have the most glowing review of that organization, but as I've matured and things have gone by, I've gone to appreciate what the Patriots have done over the last 15, 20 years. Uh, I will admit I have had Tom Brady and New England in general fatigue (laughs) in my sports fandom. Um, And, I mean, it's, it, it's getting a lot of hype. Uh, it's the sun, I think it's the Sunday night football game. I could be wrong. But the Bucks are playing the the Patriots. It's Tom Brady's return to Gillette Stadium. By the way, I know this could give me some flack, but I don't know how you can be called the New England Patriots when New England is not even an actual town. Or city, they just call an area New England. It's not a town. It's not established city. I I, I still don't get it. <laughs> like I don't know why they why they're as, as uh, approached to uh, calling it the Boston Patriots. I, I just don't get it. Anyways, uh, as far as the game's concerned, uh, it's not a good matchup for a game to say, but just the spectacle, Tom Brady. Uh, returning to Gillette Stadium should be cool, I guess. Um, but for me, I, I think the reason why I'm indifferent towards this game is not the Brady storyline. It's the fact that I had to listen to Chris Collins for, for three and a half hours, and I think he's by far the most overrated color analyst in all professional sports. So that's just my opinion. <laughs> Good question, though. Uh, next question from Chris, he says, a fan of the more aggressive Keith Lee, 
Uh, Chris, I'm just a fan of seeing Keith Lee on my television screen. I don't care if they change the gimmick. I don't care if they call him a bear cat. I, I, I really, all that stuff about booking, I, I've said it a zillion times in my podcast. I really don't care about that semantical stuff. That's not what we talk about on this podcast. Uh, I'm just more excited to see Keith Lee on my show. If he's going to be more aggressive, awesome. If that means for him to be on television more, I'm more than fine with that. And Keith Lee is a tremendous performer. I hope he's in good spirits. I know he's been talking about dealing with some mental health issues and stuff that he's been dealing with this year and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, the more things to get Keith Lee on television is a good thing. And I'm curious to see what he, where he goes from here. I know, uh, Chris, you sent me a couple of questions about the Bears. I'm going to say that towards the end of this uh, segment when I get to my Bears discussion. I I don't want you to feel like I'm ignoring your question. I'm just going to attach it to it because, you know, it would be one thing for me to do the Q&A and then I just go on a, like a 15-minute rant about the Bears and then go back to it. You know, I just don't want to do that. Um, hmm, Here's a good question. Thoughts on the Herbers? Thoughts on the Hurt Business reunion, and would you like to see almost move away from AJ and possibly join? Uh, thoughts on the Hurt Business reunion? I thought it was cool. Um, this is a cute, this is the cool part about the Q and A. Said there's some stuff that I would like to hit on when we get to like the WWE review, but we just don't have time for it. So this is the charm of the Q and A. Said where I can fit those little side topics into this. I thought the reunion was cool. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting that people on Twitter were going away saying, oh, this doesn't make sense. How, how can they have the Hurt Business reuni- reunite? Um, I mean, have you ever had a beef with your brother or a sister or a friend? <laughs> I mean, it is possible to... Push feelings aside for the betterment of you and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, um, I don't, I don't understand why people are saying, "Oh, does it make sense that the Hurt is reunite?" Why not? MVP's out of action. When's the last time Cedric or Shelton done anything of significance since the group initially split a few months ago? Uh, oh, does it make sense that they're back again? <laughs> I, I, I have to mention this. It's, it's really interesting, especially with a lot of people that do podcasts like this. We need to really start balancing out what we consider a, an opinion from fact. Just because you have an opinion on something does not make it a fact. Just because you didn't like the way the Herp is reunited with each other doesn't mean that it does not make sense. You know what I mean? I can say anything out of my ass. That doesn't mean that I'm right or I... I I'm all factual about what's going on. It just doesn't work that way. I, I just don't understand that line of thinking. So, yeah, uh, I'm happy that they're back. As far as almost joining them, I, I'm kind of 50-50 on it. It wouldn't bother me if he did join them. But as far as your question with him moving away from AJ Styles, I think that would be the best thing for both guys because they'll probably get one more tag match with um, uh, Rated RK Bro at Crown Jewel, I believe. And then they'll probably go their separate ways. Uh, but, yeah, if almost decided that he wanted to be part of her business, I, that's fine. Uh, really, really wouldn't bother me. Uh, next question. With NXT's rumored to be part of the 
at WWE Draft, which town do you think could be involved? I got three in mind. Um, highly doubt that Giant Gargano or Tommaso Chandler are going to go to Raw or SmackDown, so we could automatically put those to the side. You have to really think about it who hasn't been on TV as much uh, recently for NXT. And I go with Dakota Kai, Austin Theory, possibly. And I, I, I initially thought Raquel Gonzalez was going to go to NXT, but she retained her NXT Women's title uh, on NXT this week, being Frankie Monet. So. We'll have to hold off for that for a while. So I'm looking more towards like Dakota Kai, Austin Theory, uh, possibly LA Knight, if I had to go off the top of my head. If it was up to me, I would have Imperium and the Grizzled Young Veterans up onto whatever brand they decide to go on. Those would be the first two picks out of my uh, fantasy booking brain threshold. So... (laughs) There's good options, but those are the ones that go off the top of my head, especially Dakota Kai for the ladies. I think Dakota Kai would be a good addition on Monday Night Raw. So, yeah, those would be my pick, pal. All right, last wrestling question here from Chris. He says, Brian Cage and his wife have voiced some frustrations, if you will, on Cage's usage in AEW. Is it a matter of time till there's more talent that follow? And is Cage better off starting fresh elsewhere? Chris, you sparked up a great question and a question that uh, is going to probably give me some heat from the hardcore wrestling community. But as much as Twitter likes to believe you that AEW is Teflon and nothing goes wrong there, um, that could be more further from the truth. I'll tell you this. When I watch the show... And I thought it was very interesting with last time when they had the Ethan Page Scorpio Sky promo. And it really crystallized in my head of what I see from AEW. And it gets more clear and clear as the weeks go by. They got they'll have all the buzz in the world, and I'm attaching uh uh this kind of similar question that uh Mike sent us this week. Make sure to follow Mike at by the way on Twitter at Made Events Fort where yeah, AWS is momentum, but where do the cracks start coming? When when do things start to come up, like the situation with Brian Cage, right? Or you're hearing promos from the men of the year, and you have MGF bringing up Bruce Pritchard on your uh, television show. I think AEW, as much as they got the wrestling Twitter echo chamber all up in the pansy and they like they can do absolutely nothing wrong, the more and more you keep bringing these people from WWE and the more you kind of push back on the original talent on the show, yeah, you have your core guys like uh, MGF, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Jungle Boy. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the other people that you rarely see on television. And these other guys that you brought in from Impact and the NWA and, um, yeah, Impact, Ring of Honor, the NWA, uh, other MLW, you know, you get into treacherous waters in some ways because I I haven't been thrilled 
with some of the WWE sides they brought in because I really haven't seen much different from them. Like Miro still Rusev without having to deal with Lana shenanigans. Like I haven't seen nothing different from him from a promo standpoint or in-ring standpoint. FTR is still FTR is still cutting the same promos that you heard in NXT. Um, <laughs> the, the list goes on and on. And you're going to get into these situations where the egos from the elite guys are going to be in their fields about, you know, the spotlight being added to the CM Punk's of the world, the Brian Davis's of the world, Bray Wyatt, whenever he shows up, uh, Braun Strowman, or Kevin Owens is another one I keep hearing about rumor names. And it's like, yeah, you can add any free agent in the world. But again, I continue to ask you guys this question. What is the identity of AW? And as somebody who's covered every single event that AEW's produced since uh, May of 2019, I've got nothing but vibes of a show that just placates through the dirt sheets. And that's it. You look at the decisions that are made on the show. You see who's signed to the show. Uh, you see who gets a little bit buzz on Twitter from the independency. They're automatically at AEW. It, it's nothing about AW that I've taken away as far as, okay, this is AW and this is what I'm supposed to take away from it. When I watch the show, I see elements of New Japan. I see elements of Ring of Honor. I see elements of WCW. I see stuff from ECW. I don't see nothing unique or original from AW. And you have guys like Brian Cage who bring something different to the table from all these scrawny flippy dudes. And you do jack shit them. You just stick them with Taz because just for the hell of it. Because we have to have an ECW guy on the show. Don't get me wrong. I love Taz. He's great on the mic. And I love what he does on commentary. But if you ask me, T Taz has been a complete flop in AEW. Will Haas is interesting. Yeah, Ricky Starks has potential. But as a unit, in the way they constantly lost, in this promotion that's based on wins and losses, as a viewer, why should I take T's has seriously? And here's the thing. You rush Brian Cage into the title picture. I remember this like it was yesterday. Brian Cage came in, automatically goes after John Moxley, and they do this stupid angle where Taz accidentally throws a towel in the ring to play it off to protect Brian Cage with a submission victory to John Moxley because during that time, uh, Tony Khan and his Best friend Dave Meltzer is trying to convince us that John Moxley was the same level as Minoru Suzuki. Because Moxley just came back from the G1 tournament, and now that's the time they're spotlighting him. Look, I like Brian Cage. Now, I'm not telling you that AEW should make Brian Cage the face of their promotion or anything like that, but you can understand there's frustration from there. And I can, if you, whether you want to believe it or not, uh, if you look at a guy like Hangman Page, too, you don't think he's going to get lost in the shovel when he comes back? I, I'm happy my guy Punk is back. Um, yeah, it's cool to see Brian Danielson here, Adam Cole. Uh, you still have Olivier and the Super Goof Squad. I, there's nothing unique about AW and the fact that you don't have other established younger stars. And it, it, it's just going to permeate throughout the brand. And I feel like Eagles are going to get a thrust upon the way. Because how much real estate can you have AW? 
You're going to have the Cody segment, right? The Cody Rose segment. Then you got the Super Goof Squad segment. Then you got you have to fit in CM Punk and Daniel Bryan here. Then you got to fit in Dr. Burt Baker for five minutes of show. And then what else is left? You know, like you're – I feel there's so much of a dirt sheet, like aura that comes from AW that I don't see anything where other towns that don't get smiles show – Spotlight show can grow. I see these guys buried in AW Dark and Elevation, then an occasional match on Rampage when they need to fill out a random card. So I can understand why Brian Cage is upset. I, I could. I could understand why Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page are upset. Yeah, Frankie Kazarian shows up every week running after the Goof Squad. But is he doing anything that's significant? And then you got Ed, you got the MJFs of the world. You know, you got Sammy. I'm a douchebag Guevara who just won your TT title. I'm going to talk about that later on. But yeah, I could I could totally understand why there'd be frustration about that because when you watch the show, and it, it's I don't know, it, it, it's interesting. So, I, I, I'll be curious to see how it goes because as much as you try to play things into the things, <laughs> I have to see how it goes. I, I feel like uh, they're trying to jam in too much of what's going on on Twitter instead of establishing what this show is. And that's that. Um, let's see what else we got here for questions. I looked at... Um, I have it here. Just one second. Oh, there you go. Got Mike's question here. Yeah, make sure you follow Mike at Twitter at Main Adventure. He says, I have a question for you guys. When and why do you think AW would run out of memory if ever? It's strong right now. Uh I don't have a timeline to say that they that this coming anytime soon or anything like that. I wouldn't say that. Of course, they got momentum. I mean, look at the at wrestling echo chamber. We have to balance what's momentum from this bubble than what is mainstream wise. Yeah, they got momentum. They're the new flavored new kids in town. They can do no wrong. It's TV fourteen. I think you're more seeing the. Spectrum, the fan base that only cares about professional wrestling when it's TV 14, and that clouds their skew point. I don't give a shit what a rating of a television show is. Just put on a good show. I don't care if it's PG, GF, <laughs> uh, TV, MA. I really don't give a shit. Just because your show's rated TV 14 doesn't mean that it's a good show. Just because your show's rated T 14 doesn't mean you have great long-term storytelling. Like, <laughs> I've seen stupid tweets like that all the time on Twitter. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, because it's T 14. Oh, now you're allowed to have long-term stories. And all oh, the wins is lost tonight. Yeah, right. <laughs> that Brian Danielson hot shot into the main event program with Kenny Olivier. You got... Sammy Guevara getting the top shot with Miro because Miro was bullying Fuego Del Sol. When had Sammy Guevara got up to the rankings to constitute a title shot? Like, 
what we're talking about here. Uh, how I look at when momentum starts as compared to what momentum is in this wrestling, wrestling echo chamber, I really don't know. I'm not saying that they, they're not doing good things. Obviously, they are. They're having buzz because people uh, just they put everything that they do over. <laughs> so we'll have to see how that goes. But my the bigger part I want to express that it's like don't be misled to think that they do absolutely nothing wrong because that notion is pretty fun to me. Like I, I watch – I cover around 65 hours of professional wrestling throughout the week and nothing from any promotion is perfect right now. But I, I continue to hear these shows and these reviews about, oh, AWs, the biggest Teflon products is WCW. They do absolutely nothing wrong. They're Tony Khan's a creative genius. And I'm like, um, more power to you. If that's how you feel, more power to you. I'm not going to speak for you. But for me, I find myself in a position where I see through a lot of the stuff that AEW produces because it's, it's not authentic. There's nothing elite about AEW. You got a promotion that rips off New Japan and Ring of Virus wrestling style. The creative resembles stuff from WCW and ECW. There's nothing unique or authentic about AEW. It really isn't. So, and honestly, if if the only retort to a negative point of view from AW is, oh, well, WWE can't do anything better than AW, there goes the problem right there. I'm having a conversation about AW. You're bringing up WWE just to prop up AW. That's the problem. Nobody can have these conversations without somebody bringing up the WWE. I could point out flaws with AEW, but somebody will throw it back in my face. Well, WWE does this. WWE does that. We're having a conversation about AEW. <laughs> I call a spade a spade, folks. <laughs> have you heard me mention one thing that WWE does better than AEW as I've gone on about this on this tirade over the last couple of bits? No. You bring up, you bring back WWE in my face whenever I critique AEW. Oh, there's nothing WWE can do right now uh, to reach up to AEW. That's not the question. I really don't give a shit. <laughs> when I'm watching AEW, I'm watching AEW. I'm not thinking about the WWE. The buzz, the momentum, all that stuff about AEW, a lot of that stems for people who have WWE in their head 24-7-365, and they, they have these people who hate watch WWE and can't think about any other promotion without bringing up something from the WWE. And I think that's ridiculous. You want to build up an alternative product? You want to have pro wrestling grow? How about you support the show? Why are you worrying about what WWE is doing if you're an AEW fan? Why are you worrying about New Japan if you're an AEW fan? Or vice versa. Let's say you're a WWE fan. Why would you give a shit what's going on with AEW? If you want your products to go, focus on what you're doing. I, I have to go with the mindset that with every show that I cover, I have to watch it for what it is. 
So when I'm watching WWE, I'm watching WWE. I know what I'm getting from them. When I'm watching AW, the same thing goes with them. And tonight, I'll be covering Impact. The same thing applies to them or the NWA or MLW. If you're watching the show and you're thinking about what WWE is doing, if you're watching it on a Wednesday night, like I, I just don't get that mindset. I really don't. What are you getting out of that? We're having a conversation about AEW, and you're bringing up WWE to me as a counterpoint. Oh, WWE does this. WWE does this. We're having a conversation about AEW. You, the only response to any criticism from AEW, from my point of view, is always something about the WWE, and I think that's very telling. It really is. <laughs> How can you have constructive criticism with the shows when you have to bring up another promotion just to back up your point? So we'll have to see where things go from there. But uh, last thing I want to uh, talk about here in the segment this week is the Chicago Bears. And, (laughs) ah, man. It's really something when your team becomes a national laughing stock. Um, I've got questions from people this week been asking me about my thoughts of what's going on on the team. You know, they're like like clipboard news like items on Get Up on all these ESPN shows. You can't turn on the show on ESPN or NFL Network without somebody talking something about the Chicago Bears or Matt Nagy. And I'm watching as these go on, and it's like, oh god, when 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 can we ever have some like sanity <laughs> with this franchise? And um, I, I saw the news the other day that the Bears purchased a property of Arlington Heights, uh, and they're looking to potentially move out of Soldier Field, which I think would be pretty cool. Uh, I think it would be awesome. Uh, it's long overdue. Uh, I continue to say that Soldier Field is a complete dump and it's not worthy of a franchise that's touted as the charter franchise of the league. And I watch, I watch the team and it's it's like malaise. Like It's one thing to call the Bears a moribund franchise. Obviously, yes, they haven't won a Super Bowl since 1985. But the team as a whole, the organization – it just needs to level up. There needs, there just needs to be a general elevation of the franchise as a whole. And I feel like we need to have a conversation about the Chicago Bears. And I hate having to do this because it sucks. I, I I don't like being these people who come on shows and say, like, oh, this person needs to be fired. This person needs to do that, blah, 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 blah. I, I really don't like doing that. But something's got to give here. And – the team's one and two right now. It's week four. Uh, the season they're playing the Detroit Lions come up on Sunday. And we're just coming off one of the most shittiest offensive performances I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, the team lost 26-6 to the Cleveland Browns last week. Shots to the good brother uh, Eddie at King Edward 15. Mr. Petty Kruger. Um, shout out to you, good brother. Uh, thanks for checking out the show as always. Um, I was watching the game on Sunday, and it's like the game's this revolving door as Bears fans where it's one thing after another. We got to shuffle in a new quarterback. We got to shuffle in a new coach. We got to shuffle in new general manager every four to five years. 
nothing changes because the same people who run the organization, the really high-level marquee people in the organization still remain the same. And that's a problem. And it gets really frustrating to watch the team. I, I watch all the press conferences throughout the week. I watch the interviews. I, I check out the Bears coaches show that they do on WBBM. I'm really into football. Like I outside of wrestling, like I'm really into like like studying tape and you know, getting to know more about the ins and outs about football. And, you know, I, I watched the Hogan Johns podcast where they had the two beat reports from the team, Adam Hogan, Adam Johns, and they do a great job covering the team. And you dedicate a lot of this time into football. You dedicate a lot of time as being a Bears fan. And you feel like you're getting nothing out of it. I watch the Bears every year. We made it to the playoffs last year. Over the last three years, people have been making Mitch Trubisky as the scapegoat to all the Bears' problems. But honestly, I think if anything that's gone on this season is that we've seen that the real root of the problem with the team over the last three to four years since the team made the playoffs in 2018 is the head coach. And I've been saying it over the last two seasons because everybody's like, oh, it's just Mr. Bisky. Oh, once Mr. Bisky's gone and we get a new quarterback, everything's going to be okay. If you saw that game last Sunday in Cleveland, it encapsulates every single game the Bears have had since that playoff game in 2018 against the Eagles. I don't even know where to begin with this. And, of course, we could bring up all the stuff with Brian Pace and being a bad general manager. He's responsible for pulling this offensive line together. I see what's going on with the team. The defense is still playing good. I mean, <laughs> there's always one thing we can hang out in spare space is our defense is playing good, right? And it gets really nauseating to watch a, a franchise that just rests on their laurels of their history. And we bought into the bill of goods of a guy who came off the Andy Reid coaching tree, and people just thought, oh, okay, we got Andy Reid now. Uh, we got Andy Reid Jr. and Matt Nagy. He's going to take us to the process land. Offense looked really good with Mr. Trubisky in 2018, and then things go downhill since after that. And one thing got exposed through that whole process outside of Mr. Bisky getting removed and now he's playing in Buffalo is that after the league caught up to what Mad Nagy was doing in 2018, it's been the, the primary thing to take away from every Bears game is that Matt Nagy doesn't know how to adjust. Matt Nagy doesn't know how to adjust to what teams are throwing at him uh, uh, from a defensive standpoint. And what really bothers me is a lot of the, like, uh, word salad that he does and the stuff at the press conferences. And it's like you say nothing that's significant of substance, of any context. It's like we're holding on to this idea of what our offense could be. But ever since that playoff game, you as the head coach has dropped the ball. Ever since that playoff game, there has been no chip on the team's collective shoulders since then. And it's like 
I I'm not I had no personal knocks on Matt the human being. I don't know him. I'm not gonna come in here and say, oh, he's a terrible person, blah 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 blah. I'm not I'm not I'm not a stupid sports fan like that. But it's really telling when on air announcers can point out your flaws for multiple seasons and point out the fact that you're incapable of adjusting to what teams throw at you. Where Usually, you dictate the pace of what goes on in the game. You allow your you allow the opposing team's defense dictate what you do on offense. And I, <laughs> I think the root of my frustration when it comes to the whole Matt Nagy thing and the things that are going on with the Bears is that I had so many people go out of their way and tell me, "Oh, Mitch Trubisky is holding Matt Nagy back." Mr. Bisky is getting away of Matt Nagy's offense. I'm telling you, once Mitch is gone, everything's going to be okay. We're going to score 30 points a game. And here we are, coming off of a performance where the team gave up nine sacks. Nine fucking sacks. Yes, Ryan Pace was responsible for assembling the offensive line together. But you you know who else is also at fault in? Matt Nagy, because he's the one who hired Juan Castillo as the offensive line coach when he already had Harry Heastan, who's an established offensive line coach. You get rid of Heastan because it doesn't fit the scheme. You get rid of Jordan Howard because he doesn't fit the scheme. We got to jam in Tariq Cohen with stupid curl passes and little dink and dunk things here and there, but it goes absolutely nowhere. After timeouts, we have a shitty play call every single time. <laughs> oh, my God. It's really interesting. I mean, the guy can script like 15 plays off the gate like nobody's business, right? But after that, when teams do adjust, when teams adjust to the offense, Matt Nagy's like Waldo. Like you can't figure out where he's at. It's it's a mystery. Like after the first 15 games of the scripted plan goes out the window, this dude is in La La Land. Like, <laughs> and what's really frustrating is that People continue to tell you that these are going to change. Uh, if I had to hear one more time about Lewis Riddick telling the praises of Matt Nagy as an offensive play caller and blah, 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 my head's going to explode. So here's the thing. I watch the team. I watch how things go. And I watch the team for what it is. And I, I really want people to understand that it's not just the fact that Mitch Trubisky did not play out where we wasted this defense. It's for the fact that this coach doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He doesn't. He doesn't know what he's doing. I watched the team for what it is. I want to succeed. I, I I think we have good talent on offense that we can build with towards the future, but it doesn't mean shit when you got Bill of Goods Nagy calling plays. It and it, it's like common treads all the time. Okay, the first fifteen plays of the game don't work. Okay, um, we're gonna score at least ten points. 
We come off a of bye week. We get blown out. Uh, we play against a team that has a good defensive line. Oh, we're in shambles. Oh, we can't do anything. We can't run the ball. We can't do anything. And it's like, it's one thing to say it's always on the talent and the general manager. And then you have to look in the mirror, too. You're the offensive genius. You're supposed to put players in positions to succeed. And nothing has changed. I'm not one of those fans that got butthurt over the fact that he wanted Andy Dalton to start over Justin Fields. Because it doesn't matter if you have Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, who else? Jared Goff. You can have all the quarterbacks in the fucking world play for the Chicago Bears, and they all have the same impact with this guy as the play caller. That's the problem. You can have little, you can have Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Shannon Sharp, Randy Moss, and uh, Alan Fanica all in one offensive team, and you ain't gonna do shit because Matt Nagy is the play caller. So, of course. He's going to double down on the fact that, oh, it's a thing. We, we care. We care. We care. We have guys that care. We do this. We do that. And it's like, where have you gone from 2018 where you allowed dick defenses to dictate what you do and you don't even adjust to what teams throw at you? Did you learn that from Andy Reid where you can't adjust to anything that any team throws at you? Is that your problem? You can't adjust to anything that any fucking team throws at you? You mean to tell me that we have to make the Cleveland Browns look like the fucking 85 Bears on defense? Honestly? And this guy's touted as an offensive genius. Give me a break. Oh, man. It just gets frustrating to watch after a while. Really is. I, I want to support the team. I, I But we have an extra uh, week of football this year. There's 17 games in total. And we got the Detroit Lions coming up this weekend. And the dread of feeling that Dan Campbell is going to get his first victory as a head coach at our expense is just making me feeling not, uh, nauseous inside. I want the team to do good, but we have to call a spade a spade and stop using other people as scapegoats to the real issue of the problem. The problem with the Chicago Bears on the field is Matt Nagy, the head coach. It's not the quarterbacks. It's not this. It's not that. It's the coach. The guy you brought in to bring the offense to another level. And it's really telling that Mark Tressman had a better offensive performance as one of the shittiest coaches of all time than you have. You're coasting out the tails of the, uh, of the defense over the last three years in your two playoff appearances. What have you done to show for it? Absolutely nothing. On that note, that is 
our conclusion for this week's Good Brothers Q&A session. As always, if you ever want to send me a question, hit me up at Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Hit me up on Instagram at Josh Lopez 94 at Josh Lopez Music. Uh, thank you, everybody, for checking out the video. And uh, when we come back, uh, we'll get to what happened this week in WWE right here on the Hoops Podcast. Patient man, Edge, I really am. But it has been seven days since I laid an ultimatum at your feet and I have gotten no response. I've heard nothing, not a peep. That's okay. Because the sound of your silence is deafening. And it reveals the truth. And the truth is, you're hurt. You're hurt bad. You're afraid and you're ashamed to admit that I may be the reason that you will never compete in a WWE ring ever again. And while that's mildly amusing to me, It's not good enough. You see, I want an answer. And I don't want to wait anymore. So this is how it's going to be. You're going to show up to SmackDown next week. You're going to crawl yourself to the ring. You're going to look me in my eye and you're going to tell the entire world the truth. And I... And not edge light. That I am superior to you in every single way. And that I am the man responsible for ending your career. Now you can choose not to do that if you'd like. But I will not be made a liar of. I will find you where you sleep and I will beat those words out of you in front of your wife and in front of your children (laughs) choice is yours I know you'll make the right one (laughs) welcome back everybody to Who's Podcast ready to talk about what happened this week at WWE just heard Seth Rollins promo from this past week's edition of Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. Speaking of Seth Rollins, make sure you go out of your way to check out his recent appearance on Stone Cold Steve Austin's Broken Broken Skull Sessions on WWE Network, a.k.a. Peacock. Uh, It was pretty good. I I got to watch it on uh, Monday morning a little bit. Uh, That was pretty good. Seth Rollins is an interesting cat, and um, uh, he's doing some really good stuff on SmackDown right now, so I want to give a shout-out. To the drip god, if you will. We got a lot of ground to cover. I don't want to make this segment too long because there's a lot of stuff to talk about this week for WWE. And, of course, we got to get into our um, uh, main event segment soon. So, I, I want to make this as quick as possible. So, we're going to start it off with Extreme Rules. I'll touch on some stuff from Raw and then go into the draft and NXT UK. Is that cool with you guys? All right, let's do it. Let's talk about Extreme Rules. Um, went down this past Sunday at the 
what do they call it now? Is this still the Nationwide Arena? Yeah, it's Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio. And we had uh, Liv Morgan beat Carmella on the kickoff show. I thought that was a pretty good match. It was pretty cool to see uh, Liv on uh, my screen as always. Speaking about good waterfall. She she's, uh, gained some good like under, underdog momentum for her right now. And I like where things are going with her right now. And we'll see where her trajectory grows as time goes on. Who knows? Maybe Liv Morgan is somebody who gets drafted to Raw. Can you see a full circle picture where she goes after Charlotte, where Charlotte made Liv go down this deep depression and this trance to where she is right now as a character. Just throwing it out there. You listed right here in the Who's Podcast. Don't be surprised if Liv Morgan goes to Raw. She could stay on SmackDown. We'll have to see where that goes. But anyways, I, I thought Liv did a good job in her match uh, in the kickoff show. Now, as far as the collective pay-per-view, I thought the show was solid. I wouldn't say this was a great pay-per-view, but I wouldn't say this was a bad pay-per-view either. I thought it was a solid pay-per-view for top to bottom, as most WWE pay-per-views are. Um, and I thought there were some really good matches, especially the one that kicked off the show. It was New Day against... AJ Styles, Omos, and Bobby Lashley in a six-man tag. I thought that was really good. Uh, one of my favorite matches from the pay-per-view this past Sunday was the Usos and the Street Profits for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Man, it's really telling <laughs> when tag matches can go off and could get the attention of the crowd and really good tag matches where the referees are actually respected and not made to be look like idiots. But that's for another segment for another time. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, I, I really enjoyed the Usos match with the Street Profits. It was awesome. Sign me up for more of those matches on pay-per-view any time of the week, pal. Uh, I thought that was really, really good. Then we got into Charlotte Flair and Alexa Bliss. I thought their match was really good. And then we got into the little stuff with, uh, you know, Charlotte destroying Lily. Bliss is uh, puking out. Alka-Salster and just a bunch of weird stuff went down there. And it looks like Bliss is taking some time off of television. So my thoughts go out to Lexi. But uh, as far as the match is concerned with uh, Charlotte and Alexa, which is my primary focus when I cover wrestling, I don't think, I thought they did a good job. And everybody says that Alexa Bliss can't go in a ring. Uh, you need to get your eyes checked. Because <laughs> I, 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 thought, I thought Bliss looked good in the ring, but... When she does come back, I think there has to be a little change of something, whether it's completely scrapping this iteration of her character or if she goes back to who, where she originally was. Um, I'd like to see a little something different from Alexa when she does come back. But the queen's still the queen, and she's still the, the measuring stick when it comes to in performance in the female division in WWE. Okay, uh, next part of the show we got into was... Let me pull back my notes here from the pay-per-view. I'm sorry, guys. It's like <laughs> 70 hours of wrestling that I covered throughout the week. Sometimes I forget the match orders off the top of my head. It was... Um, dun, 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 dun. Oh, it was a triple threat match. Uh, fun match here with Damian Priest, Sheamus, and Jeff Hardy for the United States Championship. Uh, Jeff Hardy still gained positive responses from the crowd, which is good. Uh, Priest is 
killing it, man. He's one of the guys in the raw roster who's really gained a lot of momentum in 2021. And, you know, I was talking about the people who come from NXT and lose buzz and momentum. Look at the year, uh, look at what Damian Priest is doing right now. Uh, the good people from NXT, they find a way to separate themselves from the other other towns from NXT who get lost in the shuffle. It is what it is. Okay, we had uh, Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, this was, for me... Um, I, this was a really good match, but this match ended uh, via uh, no contest thanks to Sasha Banks laying out Becky and uh, Bianca. As we originally talked about here on the podcast last week, thank you for listening to the podcast, Mr. Pritchard. Uh, I thought this was the right choice just to get out of that scenario where you're not making either Becky or Bianca look bad. Yeah, you could have done a quick roll-up. You could have done something where it's a draw. You could have done a finish where... Uh, time limit draw. Double knockout. Whatever scenario. You could have done a lot of things. But to have Sasha Banks come back. And she attacks Bianca uh, Becky. In it for herself, obviously. Because that's what Sasha Banks does. I thought that was probably the best way to get out of that scenario without making anybody look bad. So I really enjoyed the match, and Bianca has really grown a lot in the ring over this past calendar year, and Becky Lynch hasn't lost a beat. Uh, She looks amazing right now, and um, I'm really curious to see where things go here because Sasha Banks is back. I don't know how long these programs are raw. SmackDown are going to continue follow the draft, you know, when does that new wave of their new brands and their new rosters set in, you know? Uh, they'll have to come in the coming weeks after the draft or after Crown Jewel. We'll have to see how that goes. Because I don't think that some of the programs that you're seeing right now are just going to automatically end just because the draft happens uh, tomorrow. So I'm recording this on Thursday. So I'm curious to see where things go. But as far as that match is concerned, I thought it was good. I thought it was just a good bailout option to have where you're not making either Bianca or... Becky looked bad, but the match itself, I thought was really good. Then, let's get to what everybody's talking about. Roman Reigns, the Trapper Chief, Trapper Chief, uh, put down the Demon Finn Balor in the Extreme Rules match, and he retained his Universal Championship. The top rope exploded as the Demon was really gaining momentum and was about to put Roman Reigns, put the Trapper Chief away, the head of the table down, and as fate had it out for the Trial Chief, <laughs> things backfired on Finn Balor and Roman Reigns found a way to retain there. Um, I can understand from those from, uh, from the opposing point of view if they did not like that finish, they didn't like the fact that the top rope got in the way of Finn Balor in, in that way of making uh, uh, Finn lose without being made to look bad. Uh, that, that was a tricky situation. I, I, was, I was expecting the Usos to come out if it was me, I would have done a different finish, but I can understand why they did it. Um, the match itself was awesome. I thought it was pretty funny with the, the Roman wearing his mask. A smart man, man. <laughs> You're in Ohio. You're in one of the worst states <laughs> on God's green earth. <laughs> Ohio, one of the biggest dumps on worldwide soil. 
<laughs> I don't blame you for wearing the mask, my man. <laughs> I, I don't blame you at all. But Roman did uh, defeat Finn Balor. Will be interesting what happens next for uh, Roman Reigns. Uh, obviously, he's going to be fighting Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel. But what's next for the Demon and Finn Balor on SmackDown or on Raw? We'll have to see how that plays out uh, with the draft tomorrow. So, again, I didn't think this was a great pay-per-view. But I didn't think this is a bad pay-per-view either. So, I, if I had to give... Extreme Rules of Letter Grade. I'd probably go with a B or B minus. I thought it was just a solid show um, from top to bottom in Columbus, Ohio. Now, really quick, to Monday Night Raw, we had Big E and Bobby Lashley in a steel cage match uh, for the WWE title. I thought that was dope. Big E retained there. That closed out that show. Uh, Damian Priest and Shins had another bar burner for the U.S. Championship in a no DQ match. That was awesome. Um, what else? Oh, Riddle and AJ Styles, I thought it was really good on the show as well. Uh, Raw was just a, a fun show. It went by pretty fast too, so that's always a good thing. But, um, Raw's been putting on some better shows recently. Obviously, Raw's not a perfect show, and it's it's tough sometimes to sit through for three hours. But I thought uh, Raw was pretty decent uh, this week, so... Uh, we'll see how SmackDown follows up. Uh, what happened to Extreme Rules coming up uh, manana. Speaking of manana, we have uh, the WWE Draft. And I've been very vocal uh, over the last couple of months saying that I think the brand extension as itself needs to end. I think it needs to go away. But here we are. We're going to deal with the uh, hands that were dealt. And um, I feel like um, there's a good opportunity to... Add a different feel to some of the sh- to both shows, and then obviously there's the NXT element. Who shows up? What teams get split up? What do the new divisions look like? You know what? What does like the IC title picture look like with people coming in from Raw to SmackDown? Is the US title uh, on SmackDown? Like, does Damian Priest get selected to SmackDown? Does Shinsuke Nakamura go to Raw? Does Kevin Owens or Seth Rollins go to Raw? Does Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley go to SmackDown? Like, you still got your champions. Like, Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch are not going anywhere. Charlotte and Big E are not going anywhere, right? So, like, you have a playing field of these talents out there. Like, who's going where? I think guys like Brock Lesnar and Edge and John Cena don't need to be selected by brands because they're their own separate entity. They're legends. They can show up whenever they want, wherever they want. So they don't have to necessarily be part of the draft. But where does AJ Styles go? Does AJ Styles go back to SmackDown? Does... You know, does somebody like Baron Corbin go to Raw? Does... Uh, what about the Street Profits? What about Bianca Belair, you know? Does Bianca Belair go to uh, Monday Night Raw where you let Becky feud with Sasha Banks for the rest of the year? Or do you hold that off? Let's say, like, you you send Sasha Banks to Monday Night Raw, she wins the Royal Rumble, then goes after Becky for the SmackDown Women's title. Just throwing it out there. You know? What if you send Kevin Owens to Monday Night Raw? You said Drew McIntyre to SmackDown. 
There's a lot of options. I'm 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 out of the last couple of years, this is the one draft where I am actually interested to see where things go because we have to establish new identities with Raw SmackDown. Like we have to have something different, a new feel to these brands, and I feel like uh, SmackDown's done a tremendous job with the roster that they had uh, over the last year. Obviously, SmackDown's been the way better weekly t- episodic show that Raw has been this year, right? Like, SmackDown's been the best show that WWE's produced. But um, I'm very curious how this plays out and how does it benefit the partnerships with Fox and NBC it's going to be very interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes. I like to see if Pat McAfee is involved in the draft. Not like if he's going to be drafted to a different show, but like, do they have him come out in a draft uh, to now draft picks? I think that'd be hilarious. Um, I'm really curious to see how they play this out. I really am. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then, last thing is always you do like a little quick uh, preview for NXT UK. Today, we got the main event it's Jordan Devlin. Against Joe Coffey. Mamma mia. <laughs> that match is going to be lit. Jordan Devlin against Joe Coffey. Uh, two of Scotland's fi- finest. That, that's going to be an awesome match. And then we got uh, Mustache Mountain against Jonathan Hood's favorite tag team. <laughs> Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter. <laughs> Oliver Carter. Oh, man. I love NXT UK. It's my news. It's like my getaway free uh, from AEW card <laughs> that I need. It's uh, it's the one show for me to cleanse my wrestling threshold from some of the stuff I see from AEW sometimes. So I love NXT UK. It's it's the best one hour wrestling show that's produced it every single week on television. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what goes down tonight uh, for NXT UK. And then, um, as always, if you ever want to see any of my transcripts, you can check out ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Check out those suckers right now, pal. Also, that's a reference <laughs> on that note, as I uh, can't speak right now. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, that's what happened this week in WWE. And on that note, let's talk about what's going on in the world outside of WWE. Let's get into our week two report of the New Japan G1 Climax 31 tournament right here on the Hoots Podcast. Okay, folks, you guys have been... Doing an awesome job sending me feedback and retweeting and liking the posts and stuff with the G1 articles recently. And I really do been appreciating that support recently uh, for uh, the G1. You guys have done a tremendous job. It's been it's been a wild uh, couple weeks for your boys from a transcript point of view. I've been really, really busy covering the tournament, obviously. And, you know, each of these tournaments has a life to itself, and some shows are better than others, uh, some cards are better than others, but the experience as a whole is always an interesting uh, experience, if you will, of what you get from New Japan Pro Wrestling and each G1 shows. Um, last week, uh, we had the unfortunate news that Naito had to withdraw from the tournament, obviously, due to his knee injury, he had to get surgery, and uh, that was very unfortunate, but everybody... Gain extra points in the A block, and 
that's where we're standing right now. But I wanted to go over some of the matches that have gone on since then, since the last time I spoke to you guys, which was um, last Thursday. So we have to go backwards uh, and go from uh, last Friday, where we had Okada beating Evil in the main event. Some awesome matches in the B block recently. Uh, you know, you had Taichi and Sonata, uh, Tama Tonga and Chase Owens had an awesome match. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. has been on a wild roll recently. He's made every every opponent in the G1 that he's fought so far t- tapped out. He made uh, Shingo tap out. He made Naito tap out. He made Ibushi tap out on uh, last Sunday. Um, you know, you had Zack Sabre Jr. make uh, the Great Khan tap out today, uh, this morning, as I uh, did a new new uh, G1 show uh, from Cork and Hall. You had Ishii uh, get back in a win count today against Tangaloa. Um, Ichiro Takahashi only had a singles match against Bushi, so that didn't count for points. Uh, Bushi beat Yano, and then the other tournament match was uh, obviously the main event Shingo against uh, Kenta. Shingo beating Kenta with the last of the dragon. And then the B block, uh, you know, they had another good show uh, on yesterday. It was um, Okada and Yoshihashi in the main event. Um, Tamatanga was really close for being Hiroshi Tanahashi. That was a good match. Uh, check out Chase Owens and Sonata for a fun match as well. Uh, I thought they did some good stuff there. Uh, G1, I really feel like the B block has had better quality shows from a match quality than the A block. But overall, I've been enjoying it so far. I haven't felt like the tournament has been stalling or any boring, you know, it's been going by really fast, actually, and tomorrow is the eighth uh, show on this tour, there's 19 total events in total when it comes to the G1 Climax Tournament, here's the card for the rest of the weekend uh, before we uh, get to our main event segment, uh, as the opening prelim singles match, we have uh, Yoshinobu Canberra against Owa, the young lion. We got tomorrow's a uh, B block show in Hamamatsu. So we got Jeff Cobb against Tabatanga, Evil against Chase Owens, Yoshihashi against Taichi. That should be fun. Okada and Goto, those guys always have good matches with each other. And then Hiroshi Tanahashi and Sonata. That's going to be an awesome match. I'm looking forward to that one. And then on Sunday. Um, we got on the show in Nagoya or Aichi, wherever way you want to pronounce it. <laughs> we got uh Bushi taking on uh Toriano in tournament action. We got Kenta against the Great Okan, Tangalo against Yujiro, Ishii against Saxator Jr., and the main event is Abushi and Shingo. So, uh, the Sunday show, October 3rd. Should be a lot of fun. Make sure to check that out on New Japan World. And then the last card I'll go over is on Monday, uh, October 4th. Hiroshi Tanahashi against Chase Owens. By the way, this show will be at Corkett Hall. Uh, match number two, Evil and Tamatanga. Very interesting. You got OG Bullet Club against House of Torture Bullet Club. Very interesting to see how that goes. We got Jeff Cobb against Taichi. 
uh, tag partners in Hiroki Goto against Yoshihashi, and then the main event on the Monday show in Corken Hall is Okada and Sonata. So some really quality matches uh, from both blocks coming up this weekend uh, as we get to the halfway point of the G1 Climax Tournament. Uh, make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTransfers.com to check out my articles uh, as far as the coverage of the G1 is concerned. I added a reference sheet to each show that I've covered. It's up there. Make sure to bookmark that page as well so you can catch up with the standings and the results of the tournament and the match cards, if you will. So, um, seven shows down, 12 more to go. <laughs> a lot of wrestling to transcribe. And it's a fun time to be a wrestling fan. So, a uh, really quick uh, little standings update. Right now, we have Zack Sabre Jr. on top of the A block with eight points, tied with the Great Okan. Uh, and we have four way tie for second place with Shingo, Abushi, Kenta, Yano at six points. Then we look at the B block. Uh, we have a two way tie for first place with Okada and Jeff Cobb with six points. Uh, a four way tie at second place with four points with. Tanahashi, Sonata, Ebel, and Taichi, and um, Tamataga is the only other performer in the uh, B block with points with two. The rest got zero. And um, yeah, so <laughs> this is definitely one of the most unique G1 tournaments that I've uh, covered so far. It's been a fun experience so far, and I'm really curious to see how the rest of the tournament goes by. And I thank you guys for. Um, Checking out the articles, as I continue to say, and it really means a lot to me uh, that you've been enjoying my coverage of the G1. On that note, it's time to give the people what they want, what they've been waiting for all week. It is the most entertaining segment in all professional wrestling podcasting, otherwise known as What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. We're going to start this off with Britta Carter in a 3, 2, 1. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? Okay, I got to admit, once again, not a bad show this week, but also not a great show either. So let's get into it. Oh, this week I'm going to go ahead and start with the things that I enjoyed about the show, and then we will get into all of the crap and what the hell is in fact wrong with AEW. Okay, let's start with the good things. Adam Cole versus Jungle Boy, two of my favorites in AEW. Great match to start the show. Uh, I really enjoyed this match. I think both looked very good. That Hurricanrana over the top rope was a pretty cool spot, actually. I like that Jungle Boy move. That was pretty cool. So I like that. Uh, so congratulations to Adam Cole versus Jungle Boy for a great match. The aftermath of it was absolute dog shit, though. We'll get into that here in a little bit. Cool Leo Rush promo. I hope he can get his stuff together in AEW. I always liked Leo Rush, um, but he obviously he had some personal issues and, and can't get his life together outside of the ring. We'll see what he does in AEW, but hopefully he'll be able to get everything worked out and he can actually um, contribute positively to society. Dan Lambert is the man. God, he's hilarious. One of the best parts about AEW. I love Dan Lambert. I got to say, also, I really thought the promo from Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky was excellent as well. Very good promo. Everything about this segment was great. Um, 
Final, the good thing I really enjoyed about the show, AEW is actually trying to set up a feud properly between MJF and Darby Allen. Oh my god! Like, they come out. They actually, instead of just randomly getting their, you know, thrown together into a match and expecting us to believe it, they're actually setting up a feud. Oh my god! MJF's promo was a bit over the top. I, I really think he... he said some things that were a little bit inappropriate, but I've always thought that's what MJF does. So that part about it, I'm not too thrilled about. But I see what they're trying to do, and they're actually going to set up a feud the right way. I'm actually intrigued about this feud. Uh, two of the pillars of AEW, which I, MJF was right in his promo about the four pillars of AEW. MJF, Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, and um, Darby Allen, for sure. So I thought that was great. Um, cool. Let's get into uh, the things that I thought was absolute crap this week. Why is there a four-man commentary booth? It's too convoluted. They're all terrible. And every single one of them is awful. And we're saying this about some of the greatest play-by-play people of all time in Shivani and, uh, and, and JR. It's terrible. You add punk to the mix. It's too convoluted. I, I can't figure out who I'm supposed to pay attention to. It's awful. I, it, uh, I can't stand the four-man commentary booth. I know Josh doesn't like it either. Ugh, it's just horrible. Okay, as I mentioned before, a good match between Adam Cole and Jungle Boy. And then The Elite comes out. The Elite theme song is the worst theme song of all time. Period. The end. And good God, is The Elite terrible. They're all freaking clowns. Every single one of them. And Adam Cole is a freaking clown now, too. He's with these jack-offs. <sighs> when Nick Jackson, or Matt Jackson, or whatever Jackson was, it doesn't matter. They both suck said that here comes the best promo in the business with Kenny Omega. I about threw up in my mouth. Are you kidding me? There are a bunch of goof-off jack-offs who literally are trying to kill the business. That's the name of their book. That's what they do. That They're literally trying to kill the business because of how horrible they are. The most overrated group of talent of all time. And Adam Cole is right along with them. So good luck to you, Adam. Your career is in big trouble. Uh, let's see, Matt Seidel, Dante Martin versus Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson was just a spot fest. The best part of this match was the crowd booing Cody, which I said that last week. Where did that Arn Anderson promo come from after the match? There was no really build to that. They just kind of, all of a sudden, Arn Anderson's mad at Cody and is going to leave him for some stupid reason. There's no build. There's no storytelling there. It makes no sense. All right, we get a pointless, okay, and then the three tag team or multiple people matches in a row, and they were all just okay you have this pointless six-man tag with Darby Allen Moxley and Kingston versus Bear Country nobody got over in that match what was the point of it and then Sting hits a death drop on a member of Bear Country for no reason like it absolutely did nothing it was a time filler and I get WWE does that too WWE absolutely has time filler matches but AEW is supposed to be the alternative they're supposed to be the you know the company that's going to be completely sports-based wrestling product but now they're doing the same thing that WWE does, and that, which is fine, but they're, don't be a hypocrite about it. That's, that's the thing about it is they're being freaking hypocrites, and they, and they showed it there. Then we have a 16-man tag with the Dark Order and Pockets, or a.k.a. Orange Cassidy, against all of the Hardy family office. I get the purpose of it. It was dedicating it to Brody Lee because they were back in Rochester. That's cool. I have no problems with that. But... A 16-man tag? Like, how do you even follow what's going on in the ring? Like, I, I there's, wh- why? Just why? There's no point to that at all. 
And then going segueing into the tag, the women's tag match with Ty Conti and Anna Jay versus Penelope Ford, Penelope Ford and the Bunny was fine. It, it, I don't know. It was supposed to be a continuation of the Brody Lee celebration. I don't know, but yeah, fine. It was just okay. Uh, nothing really special about it. It was just yeah. And then we get into the main event. A good match for the TNT Championship. And and I know a lot of people are are not, and especially Josh, are not fans of Sammy Guevara. I like Sammy Guevara. Obviously, he's made some stupid mistakes in the past. Good for him. I was surprised to see him win the TNT Championship. I'm happy for him. I think he deserves the opportunity. The, inc- the ending was incredibly weak, though, and was incredibly predictable once Miro started taking the turnbuckles off. And I had a realization last night while I was watching this match. Miro is completely generic. He brings nothing new to the table. You can lump Miro in with talent like Brian Cage, um, Brian Pillman Jr., all this generic talent that has no personality that's worth caring about. Miro is incredibly generic, and I think that's why he hasn't been working. He's generic. The best thing he ever did was the Rusev Day gimmick, which I thought was hilarious. But overall, Miro is an incredibly generic talent, and I see why WWE got rid of him. I'm happy for Sammy Guevara. I'm a fan of his, but I know that a lot of people aren't. So, again, some good stuff this week, but once again, a lot of crap, especially the worst part about this show, which is the elite. What is elite about all elite wrestling? That is what I leave you with. And seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Retakata, if that's your real name. All right, folks. What the hell is wrong with A-W, the Joshi version? A.K.A. what isn't wrong with AW? Let's talk about it. AW Dynamite last night, Blue Cross Blue Cross Arena in Rochester, New York. Uh, just like Bernard Carson, said, I like the elements for the shows being dedicated to Brody Lee. Um, all thoughts with him and his family. Uh, thought it was really cool with the announcement uh, the other day about the John Huber Legacy Foundation. I think that's really cool. So anyway, you could. Support Brody and his family. I advise you guys to do that. Like, go get his shirts and promise tees. I think they said all the proceeds would go to um, uh, John's um, foundation, obviously. And I think that's awesome. So, good deal on uh, promising tees and AEW, of course. So, I thought that was really cool. I want to get that addressed first before we get into everything else <laughs> that went on to this program. Um before we even talk about the first match, we need to have a little brief conversation about Tony Schiavone. And look, I respect Tony. I I actually have listened to Tony's uh, podcast with um, with Conrad. Was it What Happened Wednesdays? I think they do a podcast together, right? Uh, that's uh, Tony Schiavone's podcast. I respect Tony and everything he's done in the broadcasting world and in wrestling. He's a really good broadcaster. And he's, done, he's done a lot of good stuff. 
But recently, like in his stuff with AEW, I really do believe that Tony Schiavone has a low bar as far as what's a classic and what shows are classic. And I feel like it's going on as the weeks go by. And I feel like obviously his role is to be more of the hype man and the go-go AEW type of thing. And I can respect that to a certain point. But when it gets to the point where you're assaulting my intelligence, I think it's kind of insane. Like, not every main event match from AW is a classic. Like, he called the match with Miro and Sammy Guevara a classic match. Uh, the the CM Punk-Darby Allen match, a classic. It's like, not everything is a classic, Shivani. And I, I don't care if Tony Khan's feeding that line into him. And by the way, if you guys actually believe that Tony Khan's not in their ears like Vince McMahon is, I think you guys are full of shit. Uh, I'm just calling the spade a spade. Uh, you know, of course, you know, JR has been uh, going public goodness opinions, kind of doing the same thing as Shivani. You know, all out's the best pay per view he ever called. Kenny Omega, Brian Danson is the best TV match he ever called. <laughs> like, come on, man. Seriously. Um, but let's talk about the stuff I did like on the show, kind of like Brett Carter. I enjoyed the Adam Cole Jungle Boy match. I I thought it was a good match for what it was, but it also showcases another problem. What about Jungle Boy is unique outside of his look? What emotional investment should I have with Jungle Boy outside of all the flips and stuff he does in the ring? Is there a second gear? Is there something that I can attach an emotional uh, investment to? Where's the fire? Where's that second wave of energy from Jungle Boy? Outside of doing tope suicidas and God knows what moves (laughs) in the ring. You know what I mean? I'm not going to take anything away from Jungle Boy for what he does as a wrestler. Like, uh, he's a great athlete. He does good stuff in the ring. But when I watch his matches, and a lot of it, it, it it's a lot of the things I was mentioning earlier during the Q&A segment. I, I feel a lot of Jungle Boy's wrestling um, is generic. And I, I haven't found anything about Jungle Boy to say, there you go, that's it. That's what makes Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy. The song's great. You know, good looking young man. Doing his thing, very athletic, very good at what he does in the ring. But outside of that, where's the personality? Where's the second gear in the ring? What about Jungle Boy's offense is different from anything that Nick Jackson does with the Young Bucks? And I think that's been my consistent critique with Jungle Boy. And I like to point out that I like Jungle Boy, and I think he's a good thing for AEW, and he's popular. Obviously, he has, I think he still has the most victories in AEW history with 60, and he's done a lot of good stuff for AEW. But again, outside of good matches, what about Jungle Boy is unique? Why should I emotionally care about him? And I know who Adam Cole is. He lets you know who Adam Cole is before the bell rings. <laughs> and I thought the match was good. I don't want that. I don't want what I just said to take away from their match. I thought it was really good. I thought it was a solid opener, and I, I'm glad they went that way to start the show. I thought it was a very good match. 
But again, I pose the question to you. What about Jungle Boy is unique outside of his look? There's nothing emotionally there for me that I need to invest. There's the promos. Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy, I guess. I guess that's how I'm supposed to look at it, right? Let's go throughout the rest of the show. Um, after that, of course, we have our uh, ritual. <laughs> it's always the second segment of the show. I, I'm noticing a trend now. Every second second segment of the show has something to do with the elite. And out comes the Super Goose Squad and Carl Anderson's introducing everybody. If you want to be elite, you got to be the Impact World Tag Team Champions, as if anybody gives a shit about those titles anyway. If you want to be elite, you got to be uh, like Kenny Olivier. I don't know who wants to be Kenny Olivier. And then he puts the bucks over, and it's, um, watch this. It's a super goof squad, and I'm happy CM Punk <laughs> was on commentary last night on Dynamite pointing out how shitty that theme song is. Uh, I was telling Brian Carter earlier today, like, that song... Makes Sami Zayn's theme song sound like Mozart. Um, it, it's rough. <laughs> the elite, the the elite, the elite, the the elite. Um, so <laughs> Nick Jackson had the gall to say, and maybe you say this tongue in cheek, but still, he said it on TV. Now. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for the best promo in the business. Did you guys ever see the uh, the GIF or the meme where you have... Um, I forgot the guy's name, but Dale from um, uh, Step Brothers, right? He, um, he's like... I'm a throw up. I'm a I'm a throw up. And I, I, I heard him say that. I was like, just don't do it. What? Olivier's the best promo in the business. What? Oh No, no, no. Kenny Olivier is not the best promo in the business. Just stop. It's like, I watch this group every single week and they get goofier and goofier and goofier. And it's like, how the fuck am I supposed to take this seriously on a show that was supposed to be predicated on serious sports-based wrestling? You know what I mean? This is the hypocrisy I'm talking about here. Uh, by the way, does anybody give a shit whether the Lucha Brothers get along or don't get along with Andrade? Uh, throw that out there. Um, uh, just like Brian Carr said, I really had no feelings, uh, towards the Dante Martin tag match with Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson. Um, I thought the stuff with Arn was pretty funny after the match, you know, him talking about the Glock and... <laughs> uh, one thing I'll say about Arn Addison, he's really about that life, so, uh, I thought that was fine. Uh, as far as the match is concerned, um, uh, just a regular match and, uh, Johnson... Beat Dante Martin with that cross-legged Yushi Garoshi uh, got the victory there. So Lee Johnson got the win column there. You know, Cody was out there. Obviously, they had the release of the um, Rose to the Top show, the reality TV show. Um, yeah, things are not looking good for Cody Rhodes right now from a fan standpoint. Um, let's see how that plays out. 
Leo Rush is back in AEW. Um, it was a shoulder shrug for me. Um, I was kind of liking what he was doing on New Japan and New Japan Strong, but I don't know what the hell that backstage promo was. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I, I I love Leo and I think he's a, a great athlete. And I think he does a lot of good stuff, but that backstage promo is a little odd. Uh, I don't know what the hell he's trying to promote, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Then we get to the most uh, inconsequential part of this broadcast. Uh, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, and Darby Allen, the world, the world's oddest trio, uh, beating Bear Country and Anthony Green in a Who Gives a Shit six-man tag team match. Uh, nothing else needs to be said there. FTR cut the same FTR promo you heard a hundred gazillion times. Who gives a shit? Uh, we're going to have Jay Cargill against Southern Rosa and Nyla Rose in a triple threat no DQ match on Rampage this week. That should be a good match. Um, here we go. Oh, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to the main event portion of the segment, a.k.a. <laughs> what the hell's wrong AW? I'll tell you what the hell's wrong AW. A 16-man tag team match. Oh, my God. All right, let, let's go down the roll call here, okay? We got the entire Dark Order. So, we got Pizzerina Uno. He's, they got uh, Stu Grayson, Alan Five Angels, Colt Boo Boom. Um, uh, am I still friends with CM Punk Cabana? We got Preston Vance, number 10. And then we got Alex Reynolds, uh, Mr. I'm in my feelings, and John Silver. Then, of course, they have to add pockets because we can't have an AEW show without pockets on our show, right? Uh, they went on against the Running Lip Man and his Man of Misfit Toys. So you got Shit Party, you got uh, TH2, wherever the fucking, wherever the fuck that team is, I, I don't get it. And then the the butcher, the, uh, the baker. Unfortunately, the candlestick maker was not at ringside, but she was uh, appearing in the next match, so I understood why. But <laughs> there you go. You have the whole recipe of shitty wrestling and much show wrestling in AEW. And I get it. This match was a tribute to Brody Lee, and I'm not that that portion of it. And the celebration with Brody towards the end was awesome, and all kudos for that. But. As far as this match is and for me typing this out, this is a complete fucking mud show. The entire match. And go figure, we have everybody's favorite referee, Aubrey Edwards, as the official for this match. My god. I didn't know you could just run into the ring whatever you want during the tag team match, but hey, that's AW for you, right? <laughs> Uh, looks like Carl Shu will be taking on Serena Deeb uh, next week on Dynamite's the two-year anniversary show for Dynamite, which should be interesting. Um, Anna J and Ty Conti beat the Bunny and Penelope Ford. That was what it was. Uh, two promos on the show this week I thought were really good. Um, obviously, the Men of the Year promo. Uh, <laughs> nothing they said on that promo I disagree with. And then they started this little angle with MJF and Darby Allen last night, which I'm kind of interested. I mean, it, it took them uh, 
two years two years to start a program on TV with their homegrown talent. But hey, you take it when it comes, right? So MGF's gonna get to the program with Darby Allen, and I'm alright with that. But man, if Wardle has to take a do the job for Sting, my god. The, just the thought of that just makes my skin crawl. Wardlow, this fucking tank of a monster is going to do the job to the old man. Boom! Scorpion death drops Wardlow. <laughs> Wardlow stuck on elevation for the rest of his career. <laughs> um, but yeah, the MGF promo, I thought it was really good. MGF is one of the few reasons I have any kind of interest, really interesting to going into watching AEW. And I'm glad he's still on our TV, so there's that. Then we got the main event, Miro and Sammy Guevara for the TNT title. Um, the match was fine, but again, <laughs> I'm not going to come here and put over Sammy Guevara. They want to give him titles and make him be a main event star. They can do what they want. I, I just don't give a shit about the dude. So I don't have anything positive to say, so there's really nothing else for me to add on to that, you know? <laughs> I mean, what, we're going to have Max Caster and Anthony Bowens become a tag team champions that they're, they were just recently suspended? You're like, um, do you, Tony Khan? Do you, Tony Khan? On that note, that is what the hell is wrong with AEW this week. I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with yours truly. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Make sure to hit me up at Instagram Instagram at Josh Joshy Lopez94 S J O S H I E Lopez94 on Instagram. Hit me up at Josh Lopez Music if you want to see me do some guitar covers. Also, bookmark ProWrestlingTransfers.com. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, do us a favor: smash that subscribe button, subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash the Hoots Podcast, and also follow on Spotify as well. And if you if you're an Apple Podcast user, Make sure to leave us a four or five star review and rating. Not only does that help expand the reach of the podcast, but it also lets us know what you like or dislike about the podcast. And we're always open to suggestions uh, to help make the show grow and get better. So we're 23 episodes away from reaching 300 and we ain't stopping anytime soon. So thank you guys for hanging out with me this week. Always remember, be the authentic product that is yourself and never forget Nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself, okay? I love you guys. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the rest of the G1 action as well. I'll be back here for a brand new edition of the Hoots Podcast coming up next week. We have no thoughts of Derek this week. Burkhardt's been very busy with his work, so I apologize for that in advance. But for Brother Carter, I'm Brother Adam. This has been episode 277 of the Hoots Podcast. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, Yes, sir.